Well, please uh, take up a Bible. Um, if you've got the church Bible, we're gonna, we've got three readings this morning. They're on the service sheets. And uh, the first of those is in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1 to 17, which you can find on page 571. Page 571, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1 to 17. Beginning at verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smouldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted." The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. The second reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, just a couple of pages over, page 575. So Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 10. Isaiah 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. 
and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the whole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. The third and final reading from the New Testament from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, uh, which you can find on page 807. It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you, Jay. Good morning. Um, let me welcome you to Chalmers. Um, add my welcome. Uh, and uh, I know the, the question of kind of whether to go out and see people is a challenging question at the moment, so I'm really glad those of you who, who are able to be here in person. We're glad to, those of you tuning in um, uh, and able to listen that way. Uh, and in a moment, I'll, I'll pray for our time. But let me just introduce um, what we're doing this morning. My title is Hope Despite the Headlines. 
You'll find um, inside the prayer diary you were given, there is a service sheet. You have to kind of dig around for it a bit today, but there is an outline on the back of the service sheet. And the title is Hope Despite the Headlines. There's no doubt, I think, that we want some hope. We're in need of some hope this time of the year, this stage of the pandemic, the seemingly never-ending pandemic. Our Christmas theme uh, you heard earlier is A Weary World Rejoices. And as Claire was praying, there's no doubt about the weary bit. The world is weary, we are weary. On all sorts of levels, we're weary. The real question is, is there something to rejoice in that can withstand that? Can we have hope despite the headlines? Well, our prayer this morning is that we will be able to rejoice in the good news of Jesus coming. Uh, We're looking at another of the big Old Testament promises about the baby Jesus. It's one of the most famous ones, actually. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. It doesn't get much more famous than that. It's in loads of carols, loads of kind of fluffy Christmas uh, nativity plays at schools. Um, But one of the striking things, when you actually look back at the Old Testament, when God made these promises, hundreds of years before Jesus actually arrived, when you look back, it turns out it wasn't all fluffy, happy poetry going on. It was gritty, scary, terrible headlines that God's people were facing Let me put it like this. Some of the biggest promises about Christmas happen at the darkest times God's people faced. Saw that last week. Comfort, comfort my people. They needed comfort as they faced exile. And we're going to see it this week um, as we get our heads back into Isaiah chapter 7. Let me therefore lead us in prayer for the Lord to fill us with hope despite the headlines. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do pray this morning you'd help me to be faithful to your word and help all of us to have ears to hear and hearts to listen. And and please would you fill our hearts with hope, a hope that's stronger than the grim headlines we face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible doesn't live on another planet but this one. With all its ups and deep downs, there's a huge difference between what we've made Christmas, the kind of soft, fluffy nativity scenes, even some of our songs were a bit like that this morning, a huge difference between that and a dirt poor baby being born without anesthetic in a cattle shed. The promises of Christmas are not an exercise of burying heads in sand. We don't believe in kind of Christmasianity, just a kind of touchy-feely vibe at this time of year that can make us feel better. And it is really good we don't believe just in that, because I think this year, the tinsel and the Christmas jumpers and the nice food and the hopefully we'll see our friends and family, well, this year it, it could all feel a bit hollow. But the wonderful thing about the Bible is it lives in the real world, the real world of international crises of covid sickness, death. And in that real world, it brings hope. So please turn with me back to Isaiah 7, uh, page 7, uh, sorry, 571 in the Church Bibles, Isaiah chapter 7. Um, And I just want to give a a bit of a health warning at the start of this talk. The first half of the talk is not going to feel that Christmassy. 
Okay, and it is going to take a bit of hard work. We're going to have to think ourselves back into a, a different time historically, a different crisis, actually. A bit like if you imagine in 100 years' time, someone wrote about 2021, and they just used all the terms, you know, lateral flow, PCR, all the things that my kids now understand. But in 100 years' time, they'd be trying to think out, what is that? What is going on? Why is everyone so worried? We need to do that with Isaiah 7, the, the days of Ahaz, um, king of Judah. And that does mean that this isn't the kind of sermon equivalent of the end-of-term Christmas party. You know, sometimes it happens at school where it's just a kind of watching Frozen eating, eating gingerbread men. Um, Isaiah 7 actually is going to be a bit more hard work than that, but it is worth it. Please stay with me because it is well worth it for the solid hope we'll get. So then, what was going on? What was the crisis going on in Isaiah chapter 7? What were the headlines? Well, here we are. We're in the... Um, with 600 years, more than that, just under 700 years um, before Jesus. Um, and uh, the, the, the kind of situation is described in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 7. Let me read it. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. That's the summary of what's going on. There's a kind of coalition of nations uh, attacking Judah, where Isaiah is. There are nations to the north, um, so Syria and Israel, also known as Ephraim, and they're allied against Jerusalem and Judah in the south. And the bad headline, verse 2, is this. When the house of David was told... Syria is in league with Ephraim. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of a headline that is so troubling, so frightening, your stomach doesn't know whether to kind of leap into your mouth or drop into your shoes. It tries to do both simultaneously. Maybe some of us felt that when... Omicron was first identified as a variant of concern, or when the latest transmission figures came in and they were so much higher than what we were used to, or when the, lockdown, the kind of leaks of a, a potential Plan C lockdown might be coming in the new year. The Bible doesn't duck how scary life can be and how frightened God's people can sometimes be. Just look at that in verse 2. Their hearts were waving, shaking, as the trees of the forest shake before the winds. They're shaking because this situation they're facing is a serious threat. They're two northern neighbors, their closest neighbors, and much bigger neighbors have the intention, verse 6, of going up against Judah, terrifying it, conquering it for themselves, and setting up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. They want to conquer what's left of God's people, Judah. They want to remove Ahaz, God's king, set up their own king. No wonder Ahaz and the people are shaking like the trees. Maybe some of us facing the unknown at the moment have hearts shaking all over the place. But God's word isn't just real about the fear of the world. It is real about hope, proper hope despite the headlines. So the prophet Isaiah here is dispatched to bring a message of comfort to Ahaz and the people. 
And the message, this is our first point, it's kind of our main point, and it's really simple. The message from Isaiah is this, stand firm in faith. Stand firm in faith in God's promises, or you won't stand at all. Getting that particularly from verse 9 of chapter 7, the end of verse 9. If you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. That's the message to Ahaz and to the people. Stand firm in faith in God's promises. What reason would Ahaz have to trust God's promises just at this moment? I mean, his eyes are telling him otherwise. The news is telling him otherwise. It's saying it's bad, really bad. It's interesting, when Isaiah goes to meet him to deliver this message of comfort in verse 3, he finds him not kind of on the sofa in the palace reading Monarch's Digest. He finds him out inspecting the water supply. Why? Well, because he's preparing for a siege. These enemies want to replace him with a puppet king from the house of Tabeel. But that's the thing. Because God had made promises about the house of David, which Ahaz is from. Back in 2 Samuel 7, God had made promises that David's would be the, the permanent royal family of God's people. That there'd always be a king from his line, the house of David, not the house of Rezin from Syria, or Romalia from Israel, or Tabeel, the planned puppet king. God had made a promise. And so Ahaz from the house of David, should trust that promise. Isaiah keeps pointing out to him, look, these are just people. Verse 4 puts it like this. Verse 4. Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Romalia. Look, I know they're red hot with anger, but they are just like the, the little candle wick, just a smoldering little thing that's going to go. The real king of the universe, verse 7 says, it's not going to happen. It shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. These guys are not a real threat. Now, Ahaz struggles to believe that promise. We're reminded repeatedly, is the house of David he's from, verse 2, when the house of David was told? Or verse 13, here then, O house of David. Ahaz has a promise to cling on to, but he really struggles to believe it. But then God, in his kindness, offers a sign. Let's have a look. It's an amazing act in verse 11. An amazing act of, sorry, verse 10. Amazing act of, of kindness. Not often that God kind of offers a sign uh, to someone who's not really trusting him, uh, just like this, a kind of proof of supernatural power, but he does uh, ask for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. God is determined to help Ahaz cr trust him through this crisis. But strikingly, Ahaz rejects the offer. Verse 12, he, he dresses up in super spiritual language, but he just doesn't want to listen. He wants to go for some man-made solutions instead of trusting God. Ahaz was in a crisis, and despite Isaiah's reassurance that he could still trust God's promise, or well, he thought he could do better himself. Turns out Ahaz goes and makes a deal with the superpower Assyria. He thought that would be of much more practical benefit and planning alliance with them. 
It's foolish, because Isaiah's warning was, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Ahaz, if you put your trust anywhere other than God, you'll discover that, uh, that, that, um, it, that, that other thing you trust in will not stand, and you will not stand. And verse 13, at this point, when Ahaz is refusing, God says, enough is enough. Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Actually, a really sobering moment, this. And we're going to get to the Christmas promise in a moment, I promise. Um, hold on with me. But this is the moment when Ahaz the pragmatist meets Isaiah the prophet. Ahaz can see the headlines and thinks, I'm really not sure God can do anything about that. Isaiah says, stand firm in faith, or you will not stand at all. But Ahaz will not listen, tries his own solutions. All of which brings us to the famous verse. This is our second point. So we've had stand firm in faith in God's promises, or you won't stand at all. Second point, this will be confirmed by the sign that God will give, that God is with you, baby. So the, the message that you should have stood firm in God's promises, had faith in God's promises, will be confirmed by the sign God will give, this God is with you baby. Now Emmanuel means God is with you. And the God is with you baby is like a demonstration. It's like a big signpost proving it was right to trust God despite the scary headlines. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now at that point, those of us who know Matthew's gospel are ready to kind of throw the Christmas jumper on, jump into the carol and say, wonderful, here's a promise about Jesus. Wonderful. Ahaz didn't trust God in a crisis. The, the kind of the king from David's line has failed. But wonderfully, there'll be a new king from David's line, the Emmanuel, that the, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. Wonderfully. Jesus is the answer. Job done. Let's sing a carol. But we just need to slow down a moment. We are going to get to Matthew. We are going to get to that promise of Jesus. But first, we need to look at chapters 7 and 8 closely because more than one baby is being taught about here. There's more than one Emmanuel baby in these chapters. There are actually two babies. There's an original baby in Isaiah's day, and then there's an ultimate baby in Mary's day, the baby Jesus. Getting our heads around both of them is what will help us stand firm in faith. So then, um, let's have a look at the first baby, the original baby, the baby born in Isaiah's day. Um, now, you can actually tell there must be a baby in that day, because just look at verse 16, where we get a bit more detail about this original Emmanuel baby. Verse 16. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, as in before he's old enough to make moral choices, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. See that? It's a promise about this crisis that they're in. Or verse 17, the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. What he's saying there is that this baby, this first baby, the original Emmanuel baby, 
will be born during the crisis, this crisis that Ahaz is in. And he's saying, before the baby reaches P1, Syria and Ephraim will be defeated. The land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. But actually, bad news for Ahaz, because he hasn't trusted God, the king of Assyria, who will defeat those northern nations, will also attack Judah. It's a sign of warning and judgment as well as hope. Do you see what that's saying? The original Emmanuel baby was a kind of clock is ticking, countdown to conquest kind of baby. When that baby arrived, it was only a matter of a couple of years before Syrian and Ephraim, and that threat was gone completely. And in fact, that will um, be in many ways bad news for Judah because the king of Assyria won't stop with Syria and northern Israel. He'll, he'll flood on into um, Judah. See, Ahaz is going to face judgment for his lack of trust. In the rest of chapter 7, the, the pictures are increasingly scary. It's like God's going to whistle for, for um, insects to invade like a swarm of bees. Or he's going to use Assyria like a cutthroat razor to kind of shave off um, all, the, all the beard, as it were. In, in chapter 8, verse 7, if you just look there, 8, verse 7, the, the king of Assyria will be like a mighty river that bursts its banks and floods into this land. Ahaz, I told you, if you do not stand firm in faith, you won't stand at all. If you really think that making a deal with Assyria is going to be more effective than trusting God, well, then it will turn out that Assyria will be your downfall. So the first Emmanuel baby, and I realize this is probably quite a surprise to us if we don't know this bit of Isaiah, the first Emmanuel baby was actually a pretty sobering message Yes, you'll be rescued from these um, nations to the north, but actually because you haven't trusted God, Assyria will sweep into your country. And to confirm that, when you look into chapter 8, this baby arrives and he's given a second name, and, and also known as an AKA name. Just have a look at it. Chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Take a large tablet and write on it in common characters, belonging to Meha Shalal Hashbaj. Now, this is a strange moment. This is before the baby's born, before the baby's even conceived. It's like sewing their name into their school socks or, or writing it on their school lunchbox before they've even been conceived. But the name is really striking. Meha Shalal Hashbaz. What does it mean? Well, if you look down at a footnote, you'll see it means the spoils speeds, the prey hastens. And that still sounds like it needs another translation, doesn't it, into actual English. It's basically saying, countdown to the conquest. The clock is ticking now. Not many years till Assyria comes smashing through. Just look at it in verse 4. It's, it's really clear. The Lord said to me, call his name Meher Shalal Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother... A while he's still a toddler, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Before he's out of nappies, this is all going to happen. That was the sign of the first Emmanuel baby. It's a pretty sobering picture, actually. 
in this crisis, if you're not firm in faith, you won't be firm at all. And this baby will have a name that proves to you God was with you. God knew what was happening. God was the one who was sovereign even over this crisis, even over Ephraim and Syria and the international movements of Assyria, even over Brexit and our economy, even over COVID and the pandemic, he is the only one who can be trusted. The sign of the original Emmanuel baby was a sign to trust God. And of course, those people, as they lived through those historical events, which are all well recorded, would have thought back to that baby. We saw the baby come just like God promised. And then the rest of history went exactly like God had promised. The whole point in chapter 8, verse 2, of getting reliable witnesses to, to witness this weird baby naming ceremony before anyone was even pregnant, the whole point was to show you can trust God, the sovereign God who rules. Okay, that's the first, the original Emmanuel baby, the baby in Ahaz's day. And it's a fairly sobering baby, also known as Countdown to the Conquest. Time now to jump to the ultimate Emmanuel baby. You might well be thinking, hang on, hang on, this chapter 8 baby, it looks like, in verse 3, it looks like this baby's born in a fairly normal way. Isaiah is, it seems, the, the father of this baby. He goes to the prophetess and they have a baby together. So in what sense is that a virgin conceiving and bearing a son? What's going on, as is often the case in the Old Testament, is that there's a picture that's only partially fulfilled in the original historical time, kind of demands a bigger fulfillment at some points. No sooner have we heard, actually, about Meher Shalal Hashbag, this, this kind of original Emmanuel child, well, then chapter 9 of Isaiah announces the ultimate Emmanuel child, the big baby, the different baby, the supernatural baby. Now, we're going to look at chapter 9 on, on Christmas Day and, and, and over that weekend, so I'm not going to spend ages in chapter 9, but just have a look at chapter 9, verse 6. You'll know these verses well from Christmas carol services. For us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is another child, a new child. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called. Well, what kind of names does he get? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his government, there'll be no end. No sooner have you had the first Emmanuel baby, this mini picture that God is with us, a sobering picture, because Ahaz wouldn't trust God. Well, then chapter 9, you get announced the light of the world, the ultimate Emmanuel baby, the supernatural Emmanuel baby, the, the mighty God Emmanuel baby. No wonder, therefore, when Matthew is describing what's going on with Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, no wonder he picks up Isaiah 7 and says, Jesus is the true Emmanuel baby, the ultimate Emmanuel baby. Because Mary was actually a virgin, even as she conceived and bore a son. And, God, and Jesus was actually God with us, Emmanuel in that fullest sense. 
And here's the, here's the really wonderful news. I hope you're still with me, because this, this is the thing that can give us hope, despite the headlines. Do you remember what the other name for the original Emmanuel baby was? Probably not, because it's a really long, hard name, but Meha Shalal Hashbash means countdown to conquest. It was actually a really sobering message for God's people at that time. They'd blown it. Ahaz, he'd blown it. Didn't trust God. Judgment was now going to hit them as well as the nations to the north. It was really sobering when you heard his other name. In Matthew 1, do you remember the other name that, that the Emmanuel child is given? Just keep a finger in Isaiah and flick across. Matthew 1, page 807. I'll pick it up from verse 20. An angel of the Lord, this is Matthew 1, verse 20. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, so we're in the right family, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. What's his name going to mean, do you think? And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's an absolutely glorious moment of grace in the Bible story. The original Emmanuel baby was actually double-edged as a, as, a, as a promise. God was with them, but with them to judge Ahaz, actually, for not trusting the ultimate Emmanuel child, Jesus Christ, is with us to provide forgiveness. You'll call his name Jesus, for he will forgive, save his people from their sins. We had the countdown to conquest. This baby is the sin saviour, the one who can offer hope to anyone. That's, that's why this afternoon in our carol services we'll be rejoicing in this saviour. It means the Christmas message is not just God is with you. Actually, that could be good news or bad news with a holy God and unholy people. The Christmas message is God is with you to save. He can be trusted. He can be trusted with the biggest problems. He can be trusted to deliver on his promises, even insurmountable problems like, well, you might think a pandemic, but actually there's a bigger problem than that, our sin being out of step with a holy God, wronging him in so many ways. The God is with you can be trusted to deal with even that. There's an amazing moment in Luke when Mary is told, uh, that Gabriel comes to Mary and, and she's given a greeting and she's told, the Lord is with you. And do you know how she reacts? She was greatly troubled at the saying and wondered what sort of greeting is this? I wonder if she knew Isaiah 7. God is with you. That, that can actually be pretty sobering to a sinful people. And wonderfully, Gabriel goes on to say, no, you've found favor. This Emmanuel baby, the ultimate Emmanuel baby, has come to rescue and save, to save from sin, to fix a broken world. And that's our final point today. Um, just turn to Isaiah 11. I rise, this is a whistle-stop tour. Um, but the cold temperature in the room does help us stay alert, I hope, so, um, as well as keeping us safe. Uh, Isaiah 11, page 575. We won't spend long here. 
But I just want to give us a glimpse of how wonderful what this ultimate Emmanuel baby, um, what the hope he's actually bringing is. So Isaiah 11, our, our third point. We've had stand firm in faith in God's promises. We've seen it's confirmed by the sign, this baby, Emmanuel baby. And now we're going to see what the ultimate Emmanuel baby, the baby from the house of David, what hope he actually brings. Now we haven't got time for a whole another sermon on Isaiah chapter 11. I just want us to notice a couple of things. One, how wonderful this baby is, this king who will be born. And then we'll see how wonderful the world he'll bring is. So let me read from verse 2. And, and notice, um, this, is, this is a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse as in David's dad. We're talking about the house of David, the royal family here. It's been cut down to a stump. Uh, after Ahaz, things get pretty bad from then on. It kind of loses lots of its power and prestige, becomes a vassal state for a while, and then goes into exile. So the, the royal family gets cut right down because of Ahaz's failure and others. But here, the hope, verse 1 of chapter 11, is that there'll be a shoot, a new branch on the family tree. And just look at how he sounds. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So different to Ahaz, who would not trust God in a crisis, who feared everything but God as he looked out on the headlines. Let's read on. Uh, Verse three, he shall not judge by what his eyes see. That's different to Ahaz, isn't it? Or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. An absolutely amazing picture. The wonderful king, the king we really need, this true Emmanuel baby, this king from the house of David. That's the person. But then look at the world he's going to bring. Verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play with his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord." as the waters cover the sea. That quite simply is the world we want. A world where everything is put right. Notice it's the natural order, it's creation order, as well as international conflict. It is a world without COVID, as well as a world without warfare. That is the world we want. I think it's easy to sometimes read a bit like that in the Bible and think, oh yeah, (laughs) wouldn't that be nice? But, I mean, we can't really know it's going to happen, can we? You can't really be sure that's where the world is heading, can you? Well, verse 10 of Isaiah 11, in that day the root of Jesse, this king figure from the house of David, shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place will be glorious. This king is a signal, a signpost. The Emmanuel child, the shoot from Jesse, is a signpost 
that that world is coming. Remember, with the first Emmanuel child, there was the announcement that when you see this child, count down to conquest. In that case, it was just a matter of a couple of years before P1. With the ultimate Emmanuel child, when you see that child, you can be sure this fixed world is coming, this renewed world, where the brokenness, the pain, the suffering, the death, the sickness of our world is removed. We're not given the same time frame. We're not told it's just going to be a few years. Actually, we're told we can't know the time. But nevertheless, it will certainly happen. The Emmanuel child is a sign, a signpost that we can trust God. We can have firm faith in God's promises. I wonder if at the start, when I was talking about Ahaz and the the promises to the house of David, I wonder if you thought, well, that's all very well for him back then. Yeah, great. His family had a promise. The royal family had a promise, and he could hold on to that promise and stand firm in God's promise. But what about us today? We're not kings and queens. We're not from the house of David. Do we really have a similar promise? Well, we don't have a promise about when and how COVID is going to end. We don't have a promise about that. That's an uncertainty that we live with. But actually, this promise about the house of David belongs to us, amazingly, belongs to us as much as Ahaz. Verse 10, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal for the peoples, the nations, including us. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. We have a promise that though it may be really rough now, Jesus will take us home to a perfect world. And in Ahaz's day, that must have sounded so crazy. I mean, really, Isaiah? Really? I mean, there's going to be some perfect king who's going to be born as a baby, supernaturally, a kind of God-human baby king? Really? And then he's going to eventually bring a perfect world? Really? Must have been hard to believe then. But now we've seen that baby. Seen that king. Seen him grow up and exhibit all the characteristics of Isaiah 11. And so we get a real confidence that this fixed world is going to come. We might have to wait. Much of Isaiah is talking about waiting on the Lord. We might have to wait for it, but it will certainly come. That's why Christians, those who come to discover the glorious news of Christmas, have hope despite the headlines. And wonderfully, as I close, it's not just that one day Jesus will fix the world. It's that even today he is with us. That's the other precious promise I've been dwelling on from this Emmanuel child. Not just one day he'll fix the world, but today he is with us. I mentioned this last week, but Matthew's gospel begins with that birth announcement. The Emmanuel baby is on his way. And it ends with Jesus' promise. I'll just read it to us. Where Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I was looking at my notes. The last time I preached Isaiah 7, um, 
it was about 13 years ago, and it was in the heart of the credit crunch, an international crisis that was really scary. And I was, I was preaching, actually, in the city of London, and some of the people sitting there didn't know not just whether they'd have a job by the end of the day, but whether the, the bank they worked for would even exist at the end of the day. It's proper scary. Hearts shaking in the wind. Struck me, if I'd been preaching this 82 years ago, we would have been in a world war. 106 years ago, again, global crisis, warfare. But at every single one of those dates, when God's people look at the headlines and think, I don't know how we're going to cope. I don't don't know how we're going to survive. I don't know what hope there is. Well, the message remains the same. God can be trusted. And the Emmanuel baby proves it. That's not to make light of the suffering that each of these crises brings. I expect for some of us it will be a really hard Christmas. I hope, as Jay was saying earlier, that we do, um, we do ask for help if we're alone or, or just feeling desperate. I hope that we're able to support each other. But actually, ultimately, we are not alone. Surely I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Let me pray. Our Father, the days of Ahaz and Isaiah can feel like a long time ago, a kind of alien world in lots of ways. But we thank you that the message for them is your message for us. Stand firm in faith. And we pray so much that however we've, we're feeling today, whatever is on our hearts and our minds, however scared we may be, we pray that you would help us draw real comfort that you are with us We pray over this Christmas period as we reflect on the Emmanuel child, you would help us have real confidence in the new creation he will bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.